Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Jesus starts off the Lord's Prayer and he says, Our Father in heaven. Now, before you begin to pray, it's actually important to know who you're praying to, right? Jesus invites us into this intimate relationship with the Father. We get to call him Dad. You know, this is the first time that any Jewish leader in the history of the world had ever referred to God as Father. This changed everything. And Jesus regularly prays to God as his Father. And in the Lord's Prayer, he's inviting us to do the same. We get to come to him as father, just as he did. Now, as a teenager, um, I had a a very personal experience with God that's forever shaped my understanding of him as my father. Um, I was sitting on the bed in my room in the dark. One night, I was upset over something, typical teenage girl. It was a regular occurrence for me, not going to lie. I had my... You just wait. Uh, you're, you're chuckling now, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> I had my cat snuggled in next to me because she was my best friend and she knew all my secrets and in that dark place... I poured it all out to her. But anyway, I was sitting on my bed crying and my door opened and in walked a man. And I thought it was my dad. And my heart just leapt for joy because I'd actually been sitting there in my grief, longing for my dad to come in and sit beside me and comfort me. But as he sat down on the bed next to me, and he put his arm around me to comfort me, I actually realised it was Jesus. But it had felt so real and so tangible. And Jesus came and sat next to me in my pain, and he comforted me. He let me know that he saw me, that my pain was significant to him, and he really cared about what I was going through. Now, while I know that my earthly dad loves me and my dad was a great example of God's love for me, this moment as a teenager shaped my relationship with God forever. This this revelation of him as my father, my comforter, my safe place, full of love and compassion for me, always there for me, has journeyed with me ever since. He's filled a hole in my heart that no person was ever designed to fill. There's a new and deep personal intimacy that I have in my relationship with God because of this moment. And I've retreated to that place so many times as I've gotten older. He's been my safe place to run to through every storm, every challenge, every dark time, every overwhelming moment. I'm there, I'm on my bed and I'm sitting in the arms of my father, being comforted by him. So when the disciples ask Jesus how to pray, and he says, we'll start by praying our father in heaven, this might have been unexpected to them. This might have been a shock to them. But that's actually the God I know. That's the father that I know. 
And we're invited into this relationship. We're invited into his presence as we would come a loving, earthly father. It's personal. It's intimate. Now, I know that that's not the same for all of you. I know that some of you have not had that revelation of God um, as your father. Maybe it's because the relationship that you had with your earthly dad wasn't what God designed it to be. He wasn't a good reflection of God as father to you. Or maybe it's because of hurt or pain that you've carried towards God or maybe even towards the church. Or maybe it just feels a little bit too abstract. God feels distant and removed. But maybe you'd love nothing more than to experience that personal intimacy with him as your loving Heavenly Father. Maybe this morning you're here and you're still searching, haven't yet discovered what it means to have a personal relationship with God. I pray that over this series, as we ask God to teach us how to pray, as we seek him earnestly through prayer and through fasting, that he'd give you a fresh revelation of who he is, our Father in heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed's a weird word, isn't it? Yep, great, great interaction there. It's a weird word, we don't use it anymore, but it simply means holy, set apart. Other translations actually read, holy is your name. Our Father in heaven, it's personal, it's intimate. That's the relationship that we're invited to with the Father through Jesus. But he's also to be praised and adored and worshipped because he's a holy, powerful, transcendent God. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Jesus models for us the importance and the power of prayer as we lift God to the place of greatest honour, worth and praise. Simply put, we're called to worship him above all else. We all worship something. Worship is simply to show an extreme amount of love and adoration towards something or someone. We were created to worship the creator. But when sin came into the world, humankind actually lost sight of the one that we were designed to worship. And we began to fill our need to worship with other things, things other than God. Now, whether you show a lot of love and adoration towards a possession or maybe maybe, um, something of great monetary value or maybe you worship your work and you don't even realise it, but it's the thing that you give the most energy and passion to. We all worship something or someone. And in teaching us to pray, Jesus calls us to worship him and adore him first above all things. Because he knew that there'd be so many things that would distract us and draw our attention and our worship away from him. God knew how easily it would be for his children to revert to our childish ways 
and our selfish desires just to get what we want. It's time to grow up. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. And in teaching us to pray, Jesus demonstrates how we should come to the Father, not childish, just want, want, want all the time, but to come to our Father in childlike awe and wonder. He is holy. He is our Father and he loves us and he is holy and worthy of our praise. It's relational, not transactional. The uh, Book of Common Prayer written in 1662 says it like this. Adoration is the lifting of the heart and the mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. Asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. Jesus says, if you want to know how to pray, if you want to deepen your prayer life, if you want to have a radical, powerful encounter with God in prayer, start with praise and worship. Adore him. Hallowing the name of Jesus or God in prayer, it's about coming to the Father not to get something out of him, but to give something back to him. Our praise, our adoration, our love, our worship. It's about being rather than just doing and getting. Holy is your name. Four words, simple words. Holy is your name. Now, I love my name and I, I like my name. Maybe love's a bit strong. Um, I love my name, Susan. I'm, I'm called by many names these days. I get Susan, I get Susie, Sue, uh, Shushan or Shush. <laughs> I don't mind that one because those that are dearest and closest to me call me that as a term of endearment. But my favourite name, the name that I love above all other names is Granny Shush. I love that name. That name fills me with incredible joy. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. I might love my name, but his name is holy. His name is the name above all names. His name is worthy of praise. His name is exalted above all other names. His name is worthy of all honour and glory. Can I hear an amen? His name is worthy. Psalm 8 says it like this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Begin your prayer with childlike faith. Focusing on God in awe and wonder. It's time to look up. Sometimes praise and adoration will be a conscious effort, a choice. That's okay. If I only told Jason how much I loved him when I felt like it, I honestly wouldn't tell him often enough. I need to tell Jason that I love him even when... I don't feel like it. It's a choice. And it's the same with God. It's good to tell him how much you love him, to worship him, to honour him and give him glory even when you don't feel like it. I promise you, your heart 
will catch up. Because when prayer starts in childlike adoration, everything else is put back into perspective. See, so often we can allow our circumstances and our emotions to be the driver of our prayers. It's easy to look at our lives as though we're looking through a microscope. Can you see my microscope way back there? It's a little, isn't it? But we can often come and assess our lives like we're looking through the lens of a microscope. We're looking closely at how we're going, what we're feeling, what we're thinking. We look at our day, our week, and we get overwhelmed by the busyness and the expectation and the deadlines and all the appointments. And we often tend to come to God in prayer just like that. Like we're looking through a microscope at the minuscule aspects of our lives and we feel so overwhelmed that we come to God with this list of requests. Long list of requests because it's all we can see through the lens of our microscope. What if we changed perspective? What if we allowed the power and the majesty and the goodness of God to be the driver of our prayers? There's a huge world out there. There's a massive cosmos that a very big God created. And when we worship him, it's like we're swapping our microscope for a telescope. And that changes everything. It's time to change perspective. It's time to get a different perspective. When we worship and adore God, when we lift our eyes to him, suddenly everything else becomes smaller. It's time to get our telescope out and look up at the stars. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider the heavens, the works of your hands, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Change perspective. It's time to get out your telescope and look at the army of angels that surround you, to look at the flocks and the herds that God created and set beneath us. He continues the psalmist continues, he says, you have made them, he's talking about us. You've made us a little lower than the angels and you've crowned us with glory and honour. You made us rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under our feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Say it with me. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Okay, you're forgiven. <laughs> Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You, Lord, are majestic. It's time to look up and worship. We don't look up at the stars at night and think, aren't I amazing? We worship. Isn't God amazing? We don't look at creation and marvel at the work of our own hands. We worship. Isn't God amazing? 
by commanding us to worship him. He's inviting us to enjoy him. It's one of the reasons that I love singing songs of worship so much because they're prayers of adoration that are simply put to music. And it's an invitation to look through the telescope and worship him. It's why we begin our corporate gatherings with a time of worship. It's the opportunity to come together and look above and beyond the concerns of our own lives, all the worries, the anxieties, the minuscule things that we carry, all the burdens that we've walked in with. And we get to focus on him who is far above, more powerful, creator of heaven and earth and all things in it. Some of you deliberately choose to come to church late to miss the worship. Or maybe you just have trouble getting out of bed on a Sunday morning. I actually get that. But I want to encourage you. It's such an important part of our time together that you can't afford to miss. It's a really important part of our relationship with God and I really want to encourage you, make the effort to be here on time. Because by worshipping God together, we are opening the door to heaven and we're gazing on him through the lens of our telescope. It's why I actually love raising my hands in worship. It's like I'm setting my focus because when my arms are up here, it's really hard to focus down here. And sometimes this is a choice. Sometimes when we come to worship together, I have to choose to lift my hands and set my focus on worship of God, my Father in heaven. I actually really want to just honour um, the worship team here. I mean, they've done an incredible job of leading us this morning, haven't they? And we're really blessed at Gateway to have incredible teams of worship who lead us into the very presence of God week after week. Make the effort to be here. Even if you don't like singing, just be here in his presence as the doors of heaven are opened before you. If you're not enjoying prayer... It's time to start praising God until you do. Let me say that again. If you're not enjoying prayer right now, it's time to start praising him until you do. It's time to stop looking at yourself and focusing on your own needs and start praising him. It will fill you with a new joy and it will change your perspective Focus on the characteristics of God that you love. What's the prayer of thanks that builds up in your heart that can help you to begin to worship him and praise God until joy fills your heart? The early believers chose to worship God, not just when things were comfortable, not just as a response to the victories that they experienced, but they chose to worship God in the midst of their trials and in the midst of persecution. And when they did, 
God gave them the courage to continue to speak up. It's time for us to speak up. Whatever trials and challenges you're facing right now, when we lift our hearts in worship to God, when we choose to focus on him and not our momentary troubles, we're filled with the courage to speak up. Jesus never said to his followers that life was going to be easy. Actually, he said the opposite. He said to them, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, stand strong. Don't be overwhelmed by the troubles that you're facing. I've overcome the world. Be strong. See, God doesn't necessarily take our challenges away. Sometimes he does. I wish he did it more often. But he does help us to stand strong. And he fills us with peace to endure what lies before us. And he gives us the wisdom and the grace that we need. And he wants to set in our hearts an eternal focus. Ultimately, Jesus wins over sin and death. These troubles that we're in right now are momentary. We need to set our hearts on heaven. And the early believers had this eternal focus because, and because they did, they had the courage to keep speaking up in the name of Jesus, even when they'd been ordered not to even when it meant that they were arrested and thrown in prison. There's a story in Acts 4 after uh, Peter and John have been released from prison and they go back to their people. And they've just been told never to speak the name of Jesus again. And they were threatened, their very lives were threatened. And this is the response of the believers. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, sovereign Lord. So they prayed and they worshipped. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is essentially the first time the early believers ever experienced a persecution for proclaiming the name of Jesus. And what do they do? They don't run away and hide. They don't cower in a corner somewhere until the trouble had passed. They had every reason to because we know how the story continues. But instead, they chose to pray a powerful prayer of adoration and worship. They acknowledged the holiness and the sovereignty of God. And then they presented their request to God. Now, Lord... They said, you know, this uh, prayer in the English translation is 137 words long. 
But it's only the last 35 words of this prayer that are actually asking God for anything. That's 74% of this prayer is worship to God. It's worship and praising God for who he is. Why? Because by worshipping him, they were recontextualizing their own situation in the greater narrative of God. See, the early believers saw God do some powerful things and they chose to fix their eyes on him and speak up the word of God boldly. And the church grew. I stand here a believer. You stand, sit here, believers, today because the early believers chose not to give up but they continued to speak up in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful that they had the courage to do that. And that's what we need to do too, church, in the face of our trials. We need to pray and we need to speak up with boldness. Let's be a church that is known to speak up boldly. There's so many challenges facing our young people these days, challenges that certainly my generation never faced. Some of you are looking even further down the track and it's it's frightening. Our young people have so many things that they are facing. There's a generation that are coming behind us and they're looking to us for wisdom. They're looking at us to set an example for them. Let's be a church that has the courage to speak up boldly, even when it goes against society, even when it's not popular, because the generation behind us needs to see that. They need to see our example that we set for them. Let's speak up boldly, church. Maybe you've been facing some big challenges and they've become overwhelming. And right now they're taking all of your focus. You're struggling to focus on God because the trials that you're facing are all you can see, like you're looking through the lens of a microscope. I've had a week like that myself. And it's this constant challenge to change perspective and not be overwhelmed by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I've been challenging myself this week. But when we choose to acknowledge that he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. There's nothing greater, more powerful than him. We actually recontextualize our own crisis in the bigger narrative of God's story. Like I said, some of you are really struggling. And some of you are probably struggling with this idea of worshipping God. Prayers become hard. There's deep pain in your heart. The trials and the tribulations that you've faced or you might be facing now have made you pull back from God. It's not that he's pulled away from you, but you've pulled back from him. He hasn't done what you've wanted him to do. He hasn't answered your prayer the way you wanted him to. Or maybe someone's hurt you and you've allowed the hurt and the pain and the unforgiveness to fester away to eat away at your heart. Today, it's time to make up. 
Some of you have seen prayer as a, a give me, give me, give me God. And you're disappointed because God hasn't given you what you've wanted. So prayers become difficult. You've all but given up and to be honest, it's probably become less and less of a priority in your life. If that's you, today's the day to realise that prayer is more than just asking for what you want. It's more than just getting what you want. Today's the day that you need to make up with God. Restore your relationship with him. Tell him how much you love him. Anger, bitterness, hurt, unforgiveness, they'll just harden your heart and they'll keep you distant from God. But by choosing to focus on him, choosing to worship him, even when you don't feel like it, choosing to lift him up in the midst of your pain, your heart will follow. You will restore your relationship with God and with others. You will find joy again. You will find forgiveness and grace to bless those that have hurt you. You will find healing for your wounded hearts. Paul says if we want to rejoy our lives, if we want to continually fill our lives with joy, we need to rejoice in the Lord sometimes. What does he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Get a right perspective. It's time to grow up. It's time to look up. It's time to speak up. And it's time to make up. Find the joy again. Restore your relationship with God and with others. Choose to worship him and trust him. And lastly, it's time to build up. Worship builds our faith. When we worship God for the things that we've seen him do, for his constant goodness and his faithfulness in our lives, faith continues to build in our hearts, doesn't it? What we've seen him do in the past, we can trust that he will do into the future because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. God, I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. God, you make a way where there is no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. Singing songs of worship that build faith in our heart for what we've seen God do and what we know he will continue to do into the future because he doesn't change. The Israelites constantly sang songs of worship and praise to God so that faith would build generation after generation because the same God that they knew who'd done mighty things in the past to save them, powerful hand of God at work in their lives. 
He was still with them. And he was still faithful to his people and working in mighty ways. They knew that they could trust him. And their songs were a reminder of God's goodness and his faithfulness to them. Exodus 15 is one of those songs that you can read the whole lot of at another time. It's a beautiful song of worship, full of faith and promise. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver, he's hurled into the sea. It's a story of their narrative of their past and who God is and what he's seen them do. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. How good are these words of worship? Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? It's time to build up our faith in worship and in adoration as we remember all the good things that God has done. And there's so many. Amen? So many. He saved us through the blood of Jesus. He set eternity in our hearts. He calls us his children. Maybe there's a song in your heart of worship for the mighty things that you've seen God do in your life. God, teach us to pray. Teach us to worship. If you don't know where to start, Head outside at night time under the stars because you don't have to have a big telescope to look closely at them to be able to gaze up in awe and wonder at his creation and marvel at the work of his hands and praise his mighty name. Do it. Start praising him as you sit in creation. Read the Psalms. The Psalms teach us how to worship how to change our perspective. Jesus even used the Psalms at times in his prayers. Listen to worship music, scripture that's been put to music to help us worship, even if you don't like singing. Just let the words wash over you and make sure you get to church on time. There is something so powerful when we come together and we worship him. And take the time to be still. Be still and remember all the good things that God has done. Be still and know that I'm God, he says. Begin to list all the blessings in your life. We're going to do right now one of my favourite things. It's to worship him in, uh, with singing why don't you stand with me I'm going to sing a, a beautiful old song just a couple of times and as we do I want to encourage you set your focus change perspective if you're like me you can be as demonstrative as you like change perspective Choose 
this morning to worship God, to lift Him up over whatever you're going through, whatever the circumstances, whatever the trials and the challenges you're facing right now. Change perspective. Lift your eyes and worship the Creator. Lift your eyes and worship your Father in heaven. We were created to worship Him. Let's right now choose to turn our eyes, turn our focus to Him. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.